take your Bibles, please, and join me in Luke chapter 17. Faith is believing to see, and this is our theme this year, believe to see. In other words, our theme this year is to have faith. To have faith in God and in His Word. And while we started the year riding high, things have since taken a turn. (laughs) I'm not going to say things have taken a turn for the worse, because what... One may mean for evil, God may mean for good. And I'm not going to try to get inside God's head. And so I'm just going to say things have taken a turn. Not for the better, not for the worse. Our church has been under attack more ways than I could tell you tonight ever since we announced going to two Sunday morning services. It's been one thing after the other, and I could share you stories. We've had sicknesses, slanders from within, from without. We've had attacks from within and from without. We've had COVID-19 disruptions, and now we've had COVID-19 infections. And if I was at liberty to say more, I would. But many have been under serious attack this year spiritually. In fact, it's been such a year thus far that one who has been in our church for several decades mentioned to me that they can't remember a year that it's been this kind of barrage, this consistently... And by no means is this a competition to try to see what year has been the worst. That's not what I'm saying. Our church went through some deep waters back there in the 80s. But I'm simply highlighting how challenging it's been this year for all of us. And what will help us through these times of turmoil is keeping our faith in God. God is always rock solid through the storms. He's trustworthy. We have an anchor that holds in Christ. He's the one constant, no matter what may come our way, no matter what this year may still bring. He's a steady, consistent Savior. He never changes. Thank God for that. And I don't know about you, but I'm still believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm even doing so in the context of our original vision back there in the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020. Now we know God is able uh, to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or think. Amen. And He's good all the time. And I'm trusting He's still going to do even greater things through us and in us and for us. And that as a church, we still have greater things in store. And I believe that God is building our faith. Despite all that has happened, despite all that is going on, we need to just keep trusting the Lord. And let's just go ahead and recognize this tonight, that believe to see is not just some cute catchphrase that we're using for this year, but it is to be our life. We are to have faith every year, every month, every week, every day, every hour. And in our theme verse this year, Psalm 27, 13, David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He would have fainted. And if we don't keep the faith, we will faint along the way. But if we keep the faith, then it overcomes our weaknesses. It was faith which helped David to overcome his. He said, I just, I'm just going to keep believing to see. In his flesh, he had almost fainted, but 
due to his faith and seeing the goodness of God, he was able to overcome that weakness and press on for his Lord. The Bible says in 1 John 5 and verse 4, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when we talk about believing to see, we're talking about faith. Now look with me please in Luke chapter 17. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee, Seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. This starts out with Jesus saying, it's impossible, but that offenses are going to come. We just have to mark that down. It's impossible. That's not, and that's a very comforting statement. Amen. Here's the Lord. Congratulations. You're in the faith. By the way, offenses are going to come. It's impossible. They're going to happen. And Jesus here says, uh, hey, just know this. And if you remember from our Wednesday night uh, series, I quoted Charles Spurgeon here recently who said this, it's every Christian's destiny to be assaulted. That's your destiny. You're going to be under attack. And we see here that offenses will come. It's impossible that they don't. These offenses are defined as traps and snares. And the Greek word is not only translated as an offense, but it is also translated as an occasion to fall and as a stumbling block. Now, I'm not going to preach verses 1 and 2 tonight. But we see that God takes seriously those who cause the offenses, especially those who will cause children to be ensnared. And in very strong language, Jesus says it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea. It were better if he'd just be drowned. That's what Jesus said. But this isn't part of the message tonight. Let's move on to verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So here we have a scenario where a brother in the Lord trespasses against you. And in verse 3, Jesus says, rebuke him. We all like that part. We good Baptists like the rebuking part, amen. We're good at rebuking, unfortunately. But then it says, if he repent, forgive him. If he asks for forgiveness, if he owns up to his mistake and attempts to make it right, then forgive him. We have a responsibility to rebuke trespasses as necessary, And we need to learn discernment on how forceful to be in every situation with every trespass and with every person. But we see we also have a responsibility to forgive when somebody seeks for forgiveness. 
We're not told here to judge the heart of the one coming asking for forgiveness. We're not told to go, well, I've already done this five other times today. What's your problem? All Jesus says is we're to forgive them. And if he trespass against these seven times in a day, and seven times turns again saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And many, if they would have been present the day that the Lord said this, would have said, Lord, I think you might have misspoken. You see, Jesus, what you said was, if somebody trespasses against us seven times in a day, and in the same day ask for forgiveness, we're going to Lord... Surely what you meant to say was, if somebody trespassed against us seven times in a lifetime and ask us for forgiveness, we can... Lord, maybe I could see if you said seven times in a year. But seven times in a day? Well, that's exactly what Jesus says. And the disciples knew exactly what He meant and what He said. And by the way, Jesus says what He means and He means what He says. And we see in verse 5 that the apostles understood this because they respond with, Lord, increase our faith. The apostles recognized that forgiving others this many times would require faith. And so they asked for their faith to be increased. And my message is not going to be on <clears throat> having faith to be able to forgive others. But by way of application... We could replace forgiveness with other areas of the Christian life if we wanted to take the time to do so. For example, Jesus told us to do many things which can be very difficult to accomplish. Just consider some of what Jesus said during His Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verses 39 through 41, But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also." And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And then in verse 44, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And you see, all these things that Jesus gave, it goes against our flesh. Jesus, you're telling me if somebody hits me, I'm supposed to say, go ahead and have the other side? It goes against how we want to react. It, our flesh doesn't always want to reconcile. Our flesh doesn't always want to turn the other cheek. We don't want to give somebody who has taken our coat, our cloak also. We don't want to take the extra mile with somebody who already had to compel us to go one. And in our flesh, we don't love our enemies. We don't want to bless them that curse us. We don't want to do good to them who hate us. We don't want to pray for them who despitefully use us and persecute us. It goes against every impulse of our flesh to do any of those things. But it takes faith. It takes faith in God and His Word. It takes faith to forgive someone seven times in a day. Typically, we are better in some areas than we are others. Some may be very good at forgiving others, 
But are you good at bringing all the tithe into the storehouse? Well, preacher, you just had to mention money. (laughs) All I did was quote God's Word. Jesus talked plenty about money. So much so that He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You say you have faith, but do you have faith to give to God? You say, well, God hasn't spoken to me about that area yet. Congratulations, He just did. Someone would say, well, that was under the Old Covenant. Okay, let's think about that statement just for a minute. Let's suppose that giving and tithing in particular is something that's only under the Old Covenant for just a moment. Some of those things I read from Matthew chapter 5, which are difficult things for us to do. If you'll go back and read those, you'll find Jesus saying, you have heard it said, and then He'll quote an Old Testament passage. But I say unto you, and He builds upon that principle by saying, this is what I'm now telling you to do. So let's suppose the tithe was only under the Old Testament. Then what are you doing to build upon it? Are you giving 15%, 20%? That's good preaching. Well, Jesus didn't say that. No, He didn't, but that's the principle that He's giving. There are some things that are difficult for us to do in our Christian life. Amen. Some of us have more faith in areas of giving than others. Some of us have more faith when it comes to forgiving than others. And here, Jesus is challenging them by saying, if somebody come and ask you seven times, you need to forgive them. Now listen, I'm only highlighting that there are likely some things we are commanded to do from God's Word, but they seem very difficult for us to do. And you could pick whatever is your weakness. And if we were honest, we would say like these apostles, Lord, increase our faith. And I want us to notice tonight our Lord's response to them asking, Lord, increase our faith. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. I remember many times reading this and wondering what exactly is our Lord saying. I've heard many sermons on this, many good sermons at that. But I want to give you what I believe the Lord is teaching His apostles, what He's teaching us in this passage. And in no way am I trying to say if somebody preaches it different that they're somehow wrong or incorrect. So we'll just see how this turns out. And I'm sure throughout my Christian life I will still use the term increase our faith. Before this sermon's over, I hope though you can see how maybe we ought to be using these terms more scripturally. But I find it interesting that these men ask for increased faith and Jesus responds the way He does. Lord, increase our faith. Well, if you had faith, the grain of a mustard seed. They're evidently asking for more faith. Is that what you're getting out of that? They're asking for the faith they currently possess to be added to. They already have faith, but they're desirous of more faith. But the Lord responds by saying, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. And let's be careful not to add what it doesn't say. Which is what is so tempting for people to do who often preach this kind of thing. 
Jesus doesn't mention here this mustard seed growing into a tree where the birds can lodge, which is what we read in some other contexts. In fact, we're talking about the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, and He mentions a totally different tree. And so let's not make this say what it doesn't say. If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, I got curious, how big is a mustard seed? Well, it's only one to two millimeters in diameter. That didn't really help me any, so I looked at pictures of a mustard seed. And one common picture was a penny with a mustard seed laid next to it, and the penny looked huge. looked like a silver dollar or something. And often you'd see a picture of somebody holding the the mustard seed in between their thumb and their index finger, and you can't see it. I mean, it's, it's tiny, the size of a mustard seed. Now, why would Jesus reference the size of a mustard seed after the apostles requested for their faith to be increased? I think we would all agree there's nothing wrong with this request. Lord, increase our faith. And in fact, we would all do good to examine our faith. But why does Jesus highlight this tiny seed? Lord, increase our faith. And He doesn't say, you know, you're going to start out as a mustard seed and then you're going to grow. And He just says, look, if you have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. Well, this is what I want to talk about tonight. Could it be that Jesus says, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, because He's letting them know that they do not need an increase in their faith. But what they really need is just to exercise the faith they already have. And I realize to some this is going to sound like semantics, but stay with me. And I want us to observe closely what all our Lord says throughout the Gospels when it comes to faith. Because Jesus does talk about little faith. And Jesus does talk about great faith. Let me just read these, and if you want to turn to them and follow along, you can, but... I'm just going to read them here. Matthew 6.30 says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In Matthew 8, verse 26, Jesus calms the storm and He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. When Peter was drowning in Matthew 14, 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When Jesus told the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the disciples reasoned among themselves, It is because we've taken no bread. And in Matthew 16, 8, It says, when Jesus perceived, He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have bought no bread? In all four of these accounts, when Jesus says, O ye of little faith, it means that their faith was incredulous. Well, I had to look that up. And that means that their faith was lacking confidence. It does not mean that their faith wasn't able to believe big because it was little. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't mean that their faith was small in terms of 
size, but it means that they were unwilling to believe. And I want to highlight the account where Jesus calms the storm. That's the one account out of, O ye of little faith, verses that I read, that happens across all the Gospels, or the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let me read these to you, and I think it helps us to understand what Jesus means when He says, O ye of little faith. In Matthew 8, 26, And He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? In Mark 4, 40, it says, And He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? In Luke 8, 25, He said unto them, Where is your faith? And when we view all three of these accounts side by side, we get a better idea of what it means to, O ye of little faith. Jesus is asking them, where's your faith? He's asking, how is it you're not exercising faith right now? We know these men had faith. These were saved men. They had placed their faith and trust in Christ. They had forsaken all to follow Him. But in that moment in the storm, they lacked the confidence in their faith they already had. We might say they had a lapse of faith. They had a temporary failure of the faith they already possessed. Now what about great faith? Jesus said of the centurion who told Jesus, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And when Jesus heard it, He marveled and said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. To the woman of Canaan who wanted Jesus to heal her daughter, who was grievously vexed with the devil, after she said, Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus said to her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. These two had faith in the Lord already, but they were said to have great faith because they exercised the faith they already possessed. Did these with great faith Listen now, did these with great faith have more or less faith than the apostles to whom Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. And what we're tempted to do is we're tempted to say, well, these had more faith because Jesus said they had great faith. But Jesus never said that they had a greater amount of faith. He never said the apostles had a lesser amount of faith. All He said was, these have little faith and these have great faith. And Jesus rebukes those of little faith and He commends those of great faith, but He doesn't say faith ever needs to be increased in the sense that faith which we currently have is insufficient. And so when these apostles say, Lord, increase our faith, Jesus says, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. So what about where the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, that He might perfect that which was lacking in their faith. I would say again, just let it say what it says. It doesn't say that He might give them a greater measure of faith. Is everybody with me tonight? He's not saying I need to give them more faith, but it says that He might perfect that which was lacking in their faith. They already had faith, but there was an area where they were not fully exercising the faith which they already possessed. They were under persecutions and tribulations for their faith. And in that area, their faith wasn't as strong 
that perhaps it was in other areas. And when Paul writes again to them in 2 Thessalonians, he says in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and that charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. What happened to them? What happened to them? They began to exercise the faith they already had. Here they are going through such persecution and tribulation, and Paul says, look, you're lacking in this area. And then he writes them again after he helped to perfect that which was lacking. And he says, man, we thank God for your faith. They were exercising their faith. Their faith was now being exerted. And I'm just provoking thought. If I'm losing you, stay with me. Look with me for just a second at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I want to read verse 3. In Romans chapter 12, it says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Notice the end of this passage does not say that God hath dealt or bestowed upon every man a measure of faith. It doesn't say that. But it says that God has bestowed upon everyone the measure of faith. It's the measure of faith. It's not that you've been given a better measure than this person. But we've all been given the measure of faith. Fifteen times in Hebrews 11 you'll find the phrase, by faith. And five times you'll find the the phrase, through faith. These are those found in what we call the great hall of faith chapter. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. The writer states that time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets and those of whom the world was not worthy. They all obtained a good report through faith. And yet nowhere in that great chapter of faith are we going to find where God says the reason they did such great things, the reason they were able to be mentioned in this chapter is because they had more faith than you had. It never says that. They had faith. And listen to me, please. You may be tempted to look at another, another person, someone in the Bible, Hebrews 11, and you may look at that and you may think, I wish I had their kind of faith. But if you're saved, you do have their kind of faith. So what makes the difference? It certainly isn't that they were more worthy. None of these in the Bible were more perfect, they were not more sinless, they made mistakes, they stumbled along the way. They simply exercised the faith that they had, the measure of faith that they had. They walked with God and they obeyed Him. It wasn't the quantity of their faith, but it was the quality 
of their faith. I like how Acts chapter 6 speaks of Stephen. And Acts chapter 11 speaks of Barnabas. Of both men, the Bible says they were full of faith. To me, it's like being filled with the Spirit. Just think about it. When you were born again, you received all of the Spirit you needed when you got saved. We all did. But we can quench and we can grieve the Spirit's influence in our lives. And what we need to do is to be filled with the Spirit and let Him take over our lives. It's the same language with our faith. You can be filled with faith or you can minimize faith's influence in your life. But you got all the measure of faith you needed when you got saved. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. But it does not say that without great faith it is impossible to please Him. Nor does it say that you'll never please Him with little faith. It's just without faith. Period. And I'm just saying, if you don't get anything else, get this. There are not two different kinds of faith. There's faith and there's no faith. So maybe your faith is lacking in an area. Maybe you're experiencing a a lapse of faith in an area. But I want to assure you that you already have, if you're in Christ, you already have all the faith that you're going to need. You just have to exercise it. Faith the size of a mustard seed. If you can have faith, that Jesus can save you. And if you can have faith that you're praying to the Lord, even though you've never seen Him, and if you can have faith that when you give to the church, that you're giving to the Lord, what other faith do you need? Amen. My dad used to always say, it amazes me that we can trust God and have the faith for Him to save us, but we can't trust Him to meet our need. Amen. And listen, if if we say we have faith in Christ and He can do the biggest miracle of all and save our wretched soul, then we ought to have faith that He's going to take care of us. And you don't need an increase of faith in the sense that you need more faith, but you need to build the faith that you already have by exercising your faith. You have faith. Now exercise it in your life. Trust God and His Word. Walk with God and obey Him. Faith is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Therefore, if you want faith, you got to be Spirit-filled. It's really quite simple. In order to build your faith, you have to take a step of faith. I think of David. God was building David's faith by delivering him from the lion and the bear. And as a result, David exercised that same faith when he looked out across and saw Goliath. And he knew the same God that delivered him from the lion and the bear would be the same God that would deliver him from Goliath. It wasn't any more faith, it wasn't any less faith, he just had faith. God built up the apostles' faith when He rebuked the wind and the sea as we looked at tonight. God built up their faith by rising again from the dead. And as a result of exercising their faith, they went on to turn the world upside down. God built up Paul's faith by delivering him time and time again from all kinds of trials and persecutions. And as a result, Paul had the faith to keep establishing churches and to keep preaching everywhere that he went. And he knew he'd be beaten for it. 
But he said, the Lord's delivered me out of all these. Building his faith. There's plenty of examples we could draw from in the Bible, but let's trust God through everything. You say, but it's no fun. Yeah, I agree. But it is necessary to take a step of faith in order that we learn to exercise our faith. There's no need to exercise faith when all is going well. I've often said that death is the last and greatest test of faith. Here we are on the doorstep of our life physically. Are we going to trust God? It's no fun. But we have to have faith. In church, I want to tell you, all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. We don't need more than we have. We just need to learn to exercise the faith we already possess. You see, God is able. And He's waiting to see, do we have faith in Him? And listen, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I can tell you as a pastor, I look out over the church and I know there's about 25 of us here tonight. That's tough. That's not fun. I thought we were believing to see. Just got to have faith. It's not a change of faith. It's the same faith. We just got to believe. So are you struggling with faith tonight? Maybe there's an area like these apostles where if the Lord told you to do this, you'd say, Lord, increase our faith. You want me to forgive that guy seven times? You're going to have to increase my faith. (laughs) Whatever it is, maybe you're having issues with other parts of the Bible. I don't know. You already have the faith if you're in Christ. Now exercise that faith. Let's pray.